Caleb, Brandon, and CK here with another episode of Purple Worship, where we talk about what it means to worship God with your whole life. And today's topic, I think, is going to undoubtedly launch a extended series on the family. Uh, what does it look like to evaluate our relationship to our family members, uh, the way that we spend time together, the way that we communicate, the way we learn together, all through the lens of worship. So let's start uh, with the marriage relationship. And I, I wanted to start uh, kind of fun today, guys. Uh, if you had to define your personal relationship to your wife, by maybe a characteristic or a quirk or a moment in your relationship. Um, just what really defines your marriage? What makes it special? So that could be a story, an adjective, or something like a, a moment that you both share or, or something else that means a lot to both of you. And I know I sprung that on you, so I'll go ahead and go first um, <laughs> while you're thinking about it. Uh, so my, I, I think for us, this is definitely not the most important thing about our marriage or the most important reason why I fell in love with my wife. But um, one thing that we both share that really makes our marriage work uh, and also I think keeps us sane <laughs> is uh, we laugh together a lot. And uh, I, I love so much how much my wife laughs at things I don't laugh at. Like she gets into the really silly humor and uh, if she starts laughing at it, then it makes me laugh too. So we have this thing about like, if I'm watching a show, it's not nearly as funny unless she's watching with me because she's going to laugh at all the parts you're supposed to laugh at. And I'm probably only going to laugh at two or three uh, of the parts. But she's like that about animated movies like Ice Age. Like I don't laugh at Ice Age unless she's watching. Um, <laughs> and then she also laughs at all of my jokes, which are stupid and silly, like, you know. Uh, uh, but she laughs at it and that makes me feel really, really good. And uh, so I have the ability to then bring joy to our whole family. Uh, and then she kind of becomes the fountain of that joy and disperses it throughout of our, all of our children. And I think that's probably a really big reason why we have very, very happy kids too. Um, like all of my children are just little, little joy freaks. They just all the time are laughing about whatever. We just, we have a really good time together. So I think like if, if you were going to pick one thing that really defines our marriage, I think it would be laughter and um, mm. I'm, I'm okay with that. I, uh, anything that I say is going to sound terrible now. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's a double-edged sword. I'm going to give you time yeah, to think, and I'm going to uh, go first with the thing I thought about. Yeah, no, I, uh, look, you asked what defines my marriage, and I was thinking of that book that Sarah Edwards wrote about mm -hmm. her husband, Jonathan Edwards, and the oh, book's title is Marriage, yeah. marriage to a Difficult Man. And, <laughs> I love uh, that book. I think... I think that probably defines our marriage more than anything else. <laughs> I can be difficult to be married to, you know, the, the being the, so I tell her all the time, like, Hey, you signed up for this. Uh, <laughs> like, um, with, uh, with how busy I stay and, uh, you know, how, how, uh, uh, you know, much she just enables me to, you know, serve and, and go and be and do, uh, that that's, Probably been, that's definitely been one of the defining things for our marriage is um, uh, her kind of con so I'll share a story. Um, this is a perfect example. Um, I'm at work a couple days ago and I'm texting her some things about our one of my vehicles and and I was looking at her bank account. I was like, hey, did you uh, pay off the loan for this vehicle completely? 
And she's like, yeah, you remember we talked about that? I was like, oh, yeah, yeah, I do. I remember we talked about that. I'm really glad we did that because I was thinking, oh, we ought to go ahead and do that. Um, <laughs> and then uh, and then a moment later, I, was, I texted her. I was like, hey, you know, we should see about lowering the insurance now on this vehicle now that it's, it's paid off. And uh, uh, and she's like, yeah, we talked about that. And she listed a couple details about why we're waiting to do that, a couple things we have to figure out first. And I was like, oh, good, good. I'm glad that we... I'm glad that we had this. I'm glad I was awake for this. Yeah. <laughs> and that, like three or four texts in a row where I finally was just like, you just, you're amazing. I don't know how you, you I could read you the text thread. It's hilarious. But anyway, just, that was, that was the thing is like, clearly I had, I had done so much since then that it felt like a dream or a distant memory. Um, yeah. And she just has all of that together so that I can keep doing all the crazy things I do. Uh, which creates a lot of humor and laughter and mm-hmm. and and uh, joy in our lives, but uh, just the way that we work as a team, uh, mostly her keeping track of me, has been uh, a definitely a defining thing in our marriage. Yeah, see, my wife watches this too, so I have to, you know, I have to be careful. <laughs> I know she will watch this episode. Nice. Um, no, I mean, because I. I could go into things that are probably like really sentimental and, and you know, all the gushy stuff, but to keep it light, like you guys have, I think it's kind of a blend of both of those. Honestly, the, um, the number of times that we just do silly things, we're both very reserved out in public, you know, we're both very, um, I don't know if you classify us both as like introvert, but like both of us are very reserved in public. We're wow. not really ones to like take center I don't stage either. Um, yeah. No, it's not, but we we love uh, just being ridiculous around one another, especially when I mean, especially when the kids aren't around. But when the kids are around, it's also great too. And and I think from day one, the very first time that we sat down, so the defining moment, uh, the very first time we sat down to officially discuss the details of pursuing a courtship with one another, uh, the her family. Uh, I used to go over there every Monday night and we would eat dinner together with her family and then we would go off and talk for a while and then eventually kind of come back and, and talk a little more with everybody. And so we did that for a couple months, right? And so the very first time that we were like, we're officially pursuing this, they actually set like a separate dinner table for us and we got to just sit and eat dinner together. And I sat down and I said, this is going to be awkward. <laughs> and I was like... And and throughout our marriage, I have said that multiple times, uh, at key at key points, which you can imagine on your own. Uh, I have said this is going to be awkward, like, and it's it's really kind of defined um, that we're just owning those moments, and that has kind of set the tone to where we can just be ridiculous with one another, and it's fine. Because we both know that neither of us have this figured out. And so it's more fun to not have it figured out with someone than it is to like pretend like you do and know that you both don't. Uh, So I think just owning that and then the hilarity that that brings is is honestly the stuff that that is, you know, the fun, the fun way I would classify like the defining thing uh, between us and just being each other's biggest fan by being the most awkward to one another is (laughs) is wonderful. (laughs) got to get it all out. I don't do it in public. I get it all out somewhere. <laughs> right. Yeah. Uh, so um, I mentioned something when I was talking about um, 
it makes our marriage work. And I think there's a lot of marriages that work that don't worship. And uh, I really want us to talk about tonight how we could, how we make our marriages more than work. How do we make them worshipful? And then how can others take even their working marriage? I mean, there's there's marriages that work, there's marriages that don't work, that don't have Christ as the central focus, that don't have mm-hmm. being image bearers of Christ as the central focus. Uh, but they work like they're they're together for fifty years and they still love each other and all of that. Like, but they're not worshipful. And so, how do we now? take it to the next level and turn our marriages either into something that is worshipful if they're not, or be very focused on making them worshipful. And I I think to start to answer that question, let's ask another question. Why marriage at all? Uh, Why after we become Christians, do we not simply just do the Paul thing and go travel around and be single um, and be missionaries and never get married. Um, obviously, there's great benefits to that. CK, you were single for a long time and used that very, very well. Um, you maximize that. I got married fairly young. Um, Brandon, I think you also decently young. I think you were older than me. I can't remember. No yeah, a little bit older. Decently. So. Decently yeah. young. You know, not not like waiting forever to get married. Um, no, but indecently old. That's me. Indecently old. <laughs> <laughs> so why? Why do we why do we even bother with marriage as Christians? Um, so I I think to to answer a different question than the one you asked, um, I think you that do there that are I know. I know. <laughs> um, so a, a question a question comes up: uh, Why could you know why why might you you stay single? Um, and I think at, at, even though we're going to talk about marriage, just acknowledging the legitimacy of sure. that as something that that happens and that uh, uh, God in His providence uh, grants. Mm. Um, you know, different different gifts to different people, and one of the one of those gifts is marriage, and one of those gifts is singleness. Um, uh, just acknowledging the legitimacy of that, and yeah. uh, not assuming that merely because we're Christians we must get married. Um, which I mean, I think I think you know maybe we want to talk about that a little bit. You know, wrong reasons to get married. We, sure. You know, we want to talk about that a little bit, but just acknowledging right off the bat the legitimacy of of the possibility of, of not getting married, even, even while that's going to be the norm and, and it's a good thing, you know, and, and it's the right thing for, for many, many people. Um, we don't, you know, we wouldn't want to start implying that uh, it's a requirement. Yeah, totally. I mean, I think it, you know, from a purely pragmatic sense, the, the protection it brings, the accountability it brings, the sharpening, um, you know, having unfettered access with two sinners, um, you know, having that uh, unfettered access to one another is like a, it's a recipe for really, really in-depth views of how sin uh, affects our lives and how we have to combat that and be more like Christ than like us uh, because you get to see how your sin affects someone else every single day. And the things that you mess up affect another person deeply. And if you care at all for one another, you will hold one another accountable to those things. And and that will just happen, you know. And so um, you can't get away from it. And there's something, you know, even, even if you use your time super well as a single person, there is still a measure of 
anonymity that you get to have because mm -hmm. of that. And even if you have roommates, even if you have great support structures and everything, um, you know, you, you're still kind of just on your own and you, you're accountable to yourself primarily. Yeah. Uh, and so there's just some, a very, very simple practical thing that God did when he said it wasn't good for man to be alone. Like they were meant to have mm -hmm. companionship, you know, and, and have that accountability with one another. Uh, and that was the, the state that we were designed to exist in for our, for our maximum effect. Obviously, like you said, there are exceptions to, um, with a special gifting or calling to, you know, even maybe periods of life or, or whatever, but, uh, but by and large, like it's by design and it's, it's a really healthy, and there's all like chemical and all kinds of other psychological, you know, you could mix all that in, like the things you get as a bonus of being around someone and loving on them right. and, you know, all that kind of stuff. And, uh, but, but yeah, that exclusivity is, is also, um, it's designed to keep us pointed in the same direction and have someone kind of also making like, Hey, you're going to, you can leave the house like that. You know, like there's there are ways to kind of keep us pointed in the same direction as well. Uh, theologically. Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> or physically, maybe. Right. Yeah, uh, that's not good. Yeah. yeah you know, like... I, I remember when uh, the first, I, you know, I was wrestling through 1 Corinthians 7 and Paul's like, hey, if, if you can't be pure and be single, get married. And I just felt like that was such a cop out. I felt almost like Paul was like lessening marriage. Like it's really mm -hmm. just a crutch. Um, and I heard a guy once being like, man, I, I know that I can't be pure and be single. I have to, I need to get married, you know? And, uh, uh, after having been married for just even a little while, I was like, no, I definitely get that. Like, even just like you said, CK, even just the protection aspect, mm -hmm. um, is a worthy reason to pursue marriage. And I think you could say why marriage as a Christian, ultimately that would all fall under the heading of, I want to honor God. You know, I want to fight my sin. I don't want to. Um, I don't want to be distracted with mm. worldly. Um, you know, I'm going to use the word lust, but more than merely um, mm -hmm. sexual lust. Uh, I don't want to be distracted by those things. And so, although for for somebody like Paul, who who could be pure and be single, marriage would have been a distraction for many of us. It's actually enabling for many of us, for most of us, maybe it's actually, um, it propels us, motivates us, comforts us, encourages us and makes us better people. Mm -hmm. Totally. Yeah. There's a, there's a reason why Jesus sent his disciples out in ministry two by two. Um, yeah. you know, so if you're going to be in ministry with someone mm. and you need to have some kind of a ministry partner, like you can't get a better ministry partner than a supportive spouse. Um, and I think that, you know, ultimately, if we're going to talk practically, um, those are all great reasons that you mentioned. But ultimately, uh, I, I heard this one time, um, Jesus was single. So singleness is good. I was like, eh, was he though? I mean, he was during his earthly ministry, but he was engaged the whole time, right? That's right. And, yeah. and so, right. There's the, the bride is the church. We're the bride. And, and we obviously believe that a lot of that theology influences more than just why we should get married, but also how that marriage is supposed to look and mm. the way we're supposed to interact with each other because we're looking forward to something. It's one of the few types and shadows that we still have left. You know, Christ fulfilled a ton of types and shadows from the Old Testament when he came, the sacrificial system, all of those things. But he left us a very big, significant one in marriage, mm. 
um, to show us that, hey, there's still something coming. So I kind of look at a marriage almost like the Old Testament Jews would have looked at sacrifice. It's like, this is super important, super reverent. We're going to make sure that we do it the right way um, because there's a better sacrifice coming. And so for me, marriage is super important because there's a better marriage coming. Um, And, you know, you you mentioned, Brandon, that you had uh, a great resource on that that you've referenced a lot. So if you would just take a moment to walk us through that. And I think that that will be a a good segue into the next thing that we have to talk about. Sure. You know, talk about uh, worshipful marriages. um, And one thing that my wife and I try to do is is view our marriage primarily as a picture of the gospel. So yeah, I'll I'll just I wrote something a little while back, and I'll just I'll read it and uh, you know throw it out there. But it was five things that I was thinking about, five thoughts about the meaning of marriage as a picture of the gospel. So the first one is marriage is only or marriage is just a picture. It's not it's not the real thing. It's just a picture of the gospel. So we don't idolize it. Mm-hmm. Our hope is to be found not, not in our marriages, but in the gospel. And the very nature of marriage actually points us away from marriage, right? It's easy, mm-hmm. especially in the first you know, year of marriage, to put marriage above everything else. But Christ has to be both the cornerstone and capstone of our marriages. And when we look to our marriage to be the thing that makes us okay or, or um, you know, at at you know, level, then if our marriage ever becomes a bad news thing, or if it ever becomes really difficult, even just for a small season, then we become undone. Mm-hmm. So marriage, although it's one of the absolute best gifts that God has ever given, it's still not as good as the gospel. It's, it's merely a picture of the gospel. Secondly, marriage is primarily a picture of the gospel. So we, uh, we shouldn't idolize it, but we should treasure it. It's many things, but it's first and foremost a reflection and even a demonstration of the way that Christ has loved us and sought us and saved us and protected us. And if the fact that marriage is, is merely a picture of the gospel could protect us from overloving our marriages, then the fact that marriage is firstly a picture of the gospel can protect us from underloving our marriages, you know, putting kids or ministry or jobs first. Yeah. The fact that we have, you know, in and through our marriages the ability to both be and show Christ to our spouse and to the world should make us always desire to have great marriages. And when we allow our marriages to be assaulted by other things, when our marriage is weak, then we make Christ look less great than he is. So our marriage should be highly treasured and protected because it's firstly a picture of the gospel. Third, marriage is only a temporary picture of the gospel, so we should risk it. I don't mean risk making your marriage bad, but instead, (laughs) through our marriages, take great risks. Through our marriages, take great risks. We won't be married forever, but we will live together forever in heaven. So make that truth central to your marriage. Live together for the future that you'll share in heaven, not merely for the future you'll share here on earth. Risk greatly in this life, because marriage is only a temporary picture of the gospel. Fourth, it's a limited picture of the gospel, so we should hold it loosely, right? It, it could strike us as, as sad news that we'll not be forever married in heaven to our earthly spouses. But if we have that thought, it's it's only because we're actually lacking trust in all that God promises to be for us in Jesus. Mm-hmm. Because in God's presence, there is, what, fullness of joy and pleasures forevermore. So if we aren't married to our earthly spouse in heaven, 
It's because the economy of heaven doesn't require physical marriage in order to bring us maximum joy. Mm. An earthly marriage cannot fully show the glory of the gospel. Earthly marriage cannot fully picture the joy and happiness that we will experience in heaven. So to hold on to marriage so tightly that we're afraid of heaven because of it is to idolize marriage Mm. and miss seeing that it's designed to be only a limited picture Mm. of the storehouse of joy waiting for us in heaven. And last, marriage is also, thankfully, a glorious picture of the gospel. So we should be thankful for it because God has given us in marriage a picture that will serve as a reminder over and over and over again of his great and awesome grace in our lives. And there's going to be moments where our spouses will portray Christ and his love to us simply through their silent actions. And it's going to renew our faith and love and hope in God Mm. and all of that is by design as a gift from God to us. Uh, and I said, what an amazing and wonderful, gracious God that we have, that he would give us the glorious gift of marriage, and that he would use marriage not merely to sanctify us, but to show us more of himself and his love for us and the joy to be found in him. So marriage is a means of you knowing God more through mm-hmm. thick and thin, for better or worse, as we say. Uh, yeah. He promises that he'll work through our marriages to show himself to us, because seeing God is the most joyful thing that we can ever do. And so uh, through our marriage, he helps us see him more. And there, therefore, it's a glorious picture of the gospel. Mm-hmm. So we should be thankful for it. Man, that could be its own podcast right there. Done. Just talk about each of those things in turn, and we would spend hours. Um, that's really, really good. Fantastic stuff. Um, you mentioned a ton of pitfalls in there, and I, one of them really resonated with me. I used to when I was probably 18, 19, I used to like lay up on my bed at night and just pray, Jesus, don't come back before I get married. You know, <laughs> just like, please, please know I'm so close. It's, <laughs> it's coming. I want to know. I don't, I don't want to not get to experience that. And it is, it's just a, it's an imbalance. And a lot of the things you were talking about are when they become wrong is when they become out of balance. Like so much of this podcast, when we're talking about worshiping in all of life, generally when you're failing to do so, it's because something is out of balance. Um, You've got to be able to treasure the things that God has given us, the good gifts that God has given us without making them idols. Uh, And so I wanted to talk about for a minute here some of the wrong motivations to either get married or the wrong focuses that we can develop in our marriage. And I'm thinking of several right now. You mentioned a couple worship of spouse, worshiping the idea of a marriage or family, worshiping the kids, worshiping the idea of no kids one day. Um, mm-hmm. All of those things can become uh, idols or wrong focuses or wrong motivations. Um, so talk to me a little bit about uh, how how we develop those balances, because I think for different ones of us, different ones of those things are temptations. Mm-hmm. Um, for me, it's probably it's probably going to tend towards a worship of spouse or the idea of a great marriage and family. Um, you know, I've changed a lot of my life to um, really have what I would consider the ideal family situation. You know, giving up a lot of money that I could potentially be making, you know, making lots of sacrifices so I can be there for my kids. If that were to ever change, would I be okay with it? Like if I had to go work a job that didn't allow me to stay home, you know, I think that that would probably be my greatest temptation is I've kind of constructed the my perfect family situation. And that too can in and of itself become an idol or, uh, or a cause of pride and boasting. 
because I can be yeah. like, I'm doing this better than all of you other people who aren't working from home and spending every hour of the day with your family. Um, and either of those things would be an imbalance. So what do you guys struggle with? What's what's the hardest thing for you to keep in balance? I talk so much, but... Uh, <laughs> it's fine. Um, you know... Uh, I'm trying to pick uh, one thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you don't so, have to pick one thing. Um, I mean, I, I definitely, I definitely struggle with with idolizing the idea of, um, you know, being around my family, having my family, having a great family. Um, I, I idolize the idea, uh, or, or not idolize the idea of. I, I idolize um, the, the the goal that I have of of spending more time with my family, having more time, being work from home home, all those things, all, you know, ultimately it's just idolatry of family. It's, it's mm-hmm. being d- discontent with what God has for you and where, where God has you. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I struggle with all of those. Um, and then, you know, when God does grant me seasons where I have that, I will, uh, I'll turn and, and not be as grateful for them as I should and, uh, and utilize them like I should. So yeah. I just, I fall, I fall into into both ditches you know (laughs) yeah i think mine is probably trying to uh so by nature and and by nature and also by practice especially before i was married uh one of the things that i spent a lot of my time doing uh was and some of it was free time and some of it was like like you said caleb you give things up so you can do other things you know um was just doing stuff for people. So whether it was doing people's dishes or, you know, going and getting things or working on stuff to improve their situation or whatever it might have been. Um, I spent a lot of time doing that kind of stuff because first, because I had time, but second, because it's just, it's something that I'm very um, passionate about is just doing good to those who need it, you know, Mm -hmm. and anywhere that I could, especially in the areas of technology and things like that, where I've a lot of skills and equipment and stuff is like, I just wanted to do it. I wanted to help Mm -hmm. people, you know? And so one thing that I have had to learn is, uh, and someone on this screen said to me once that, you know, you can't die on every hill. Uh, and, uh, and it was, I think about that all the time because there are a lot of things within our home that need careful attention and and do need to be hills that we die on. Mm-hmm. And then there are people outside our home whom we can use what we do. Like you know, you talk, you guys talk about um, creating these situations or these environments where you you know you have like a surplus of something in your home, right? And it's it's you can you know you can apply that to an outside area. Um, because you have it, you have stability or you have a routine or whatever it might be, or you just have joy in your home and you know, you can take that to someone else. Mm -hmm. And I really struggle with balancing which hills to die on, uh, inside and outside the home and, and like Mm -hmm. counting which ones of those to go to, because I see a need and I want to fulfill it or fix it. Mm-hmm. and partially because that's where I get energy and that's just what I love to do. And God has equipped me with like a desire for those things. Mm-hmm. But then sometimes realizing, okay, well, if I fix that person's need, I'm kind of robbing resources away from what I should be committing them to within our home. And mm-hmm. so even if it's like, Hey, I'd love to fix this thing for that person or give toward that thing or whatever. 
and not going, okay, but it's more important right now for my first priority to be my family. And, you know, whether it's the money or resource or whatever, set that aside for this other thing that I'm committed to and trust that God will, will meet the need of that external thing because I can only do one or the other, you know? Mm. Uh, so that's probably been the hardest switch, honestly, from singleness and something my wife and I have talked a lot about is just how do I, how do I use this, but first for our home and then we can all turn and use it, you know, outwardly, uh, has been, that's, that's probably my, the main thing. <laughs> no, you know, you're, you're like, you're just hitting one more and I'm like, man, I just struggle with everything. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Overextending myself. Yeah. No, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm right there with you. I just find myself constantly overextended and, uh, my wife will be like, Hey, could, could I see you for five minutes right. at some point today? And I'm like, Oh yeah, we should do that. So <laughs> yeah. we should, we should just, you know, catch up. Right. <laughs> yeah. No, that's one more big yeah, that, right now. So. I think cultivating that nurturing relationship can be really difficult sometimes when we have, especially as dads and husbands, we have so many other things that are also good and required, like being providers and protectors and all of those other things that are pulling at us. It can be really hard, uh, not just to forget to be the nurturer, but also to forget to be the priest. And, you know, we'll talk about this in the next episode, but to be continually uh, investing in our family spiritually, you know, with that, um, you know, with intentional times of worship together. Like we're talking about worship as all of life, but also having intentional times of worship with your wife, with your family, um, mm. I think is, is things that can sometimes, I know, especially for me, this is probably the biggest one we struggle with and we're getting much, much better at it. Um, but especially when the kids are young and we do a really great job of leading them in worship, not as great of a job uh, as developing ourselves spiritually. Um, you know, I'll do me and she'll do her, but us together, sometimes we don't always get on the same page spiritually. Uh, and I think that's a, a piece of our marriage that we miss while we're, while we're, our kids are younger. And she actually said something really great the other day. Um, she was talking about how I will sometimes even unconsciously do that. We're in the middle of our planned worship time. I'll just stop and say, Hey guys, this thing's for mommy. You need to listen. And I'll share something from my day. Um, and I try to include her in my own personal process too, of learning scripture and things like that. And that is getting better as well. But in the past in our marriage, and, and obviously nothing's ever perfect, but in the past in our marriage, it, it was definitely um, something that was lacking where mm-hmm. all of the energy and resources that you're talking about, CK, was going to the kids. And um, it wasn't so much the worship of kids in that they have a ton of things to do and we have to make sure that we're facilitating all of their lifestyle, but it really was, they're young, they need a lot from us and we're giving everything we have um, and not making sure that we reserve some of that back for one another. And we still struggle with that. Um, and it's I think hard. that that's a really, it's a really important thing to do. Um, I don't think we're gonna get to the last thing, so we'll roll that in. Uh, it'll be a nice opening um, for episode two. So just to, to tease part two of this next time, we'll talk about what does it really mean for Christ to be the centerpiece of our marriage. And we've alluded to a lot of those things, properly imaging him in the marriage relationship, being 
the right type of shadow of the marriage to come, right? We don't want to be, like you were saying, Brandon, we don't want to be less glorious in our marriage than what we're supposed to be representing. You know, it's like the sun is over here and we're the moon and we don't want to be a dim moon. We want to be a really bright moon so that people can see that the greater marriage that's coming is going to be way, way better. And it's hard to see that if your marriage isn't pretty, if your marriage doesn't look great, if your marriage is an afterthought to you, if it's just kind of a thing that you are in now, um, you know, and, and I'm thankful our marriage is, is young. It's easier to avoid some of those things than it would be at, you know, 25, 35 years married. Um, but we know that that's going to be a temptation at some point in the future. It's already, you know, we're eight years into this and it's starting to become routine, right? It's starting to become normal. Uh, there's a lot of things that I do with my wife uh, that I never would have done in the first two years of our marriage just because the familiarity is way up. Um, lots of things yeah. that I say to her that I would never have said, you know, that's just what I, I'm just, yeah. it, it, it happens. And so, you know, 20 years from now, what's that going to look like? Is is it going to be mm. taking taking her for granted? You know, is it going to be um, mm. being mean when I don't have to be, you know, being grumpy all the time, never giving her my best, you know, because it's just such a normal thing. Uh, you got to work for it. So um, next time we'll talk about what does it look like to put Christ at the center of that working uh, for your marriage because you don't just want to work and work and work in vain. You want to work alongside of Christ. Um, so that's where we're going next. Thank you guys for the wonderful insights. It's been uh, fantastic to hear all of that. And I'm looking forward to part two of this. Until then, uh, we are reminding you once again that every minute of every day, we are worshiping something. And so please, we encourage you, worship God. Worship God.